take you back uh, for a minute to elementary school. All right, why do you think about elementary school? And I wanna think about your answer to this question when you were in elementary school. What do you want to be when you grow up? All right, just think about that. How would you have answered that in second, third, fourth grade? What do you wanna be when, when you grow up? Uh, when I was in elementary school, for whatever reason, I'm not exactly sure why, but I, I became fascinated with presidential history. I read books about it, I studied it, I wrote school reports about it, I was kind of obsessed. So it was no surprise to my parents. When I was in elementary school and people asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I answered with great pride, the President of the United States. I was after one job and one job only. Now, thankfully in middle school, I went to camp and I got this call into ministry. Uh, Way better, a call I don't regret, a call that changed the trajectory of my life and a call that has brought me great joy. But I, I think about my son, Sam. He's eight years old in elementary school right now. And when he was around the age of two, uh, he became kind of fascinated by sea creatures. And he would sit at our kitchen table like for hours drawing these sea creatures and just playing and thinking and dreaming. And so it is of no surprise to me that every once in a while somebody will ask him, what do you think you want to do with your life? And he will still answer many times, I want to be a marine biologist that he wants to work with sea creatures. And it's fascinating to me, the idea that somebody, I don't know, I mean, a lot could change between now and adulthood, obviously, but that somebody could develop an interest at like the age of two that would carry on either as a hobby or as an occupation for the rest of their life. That, that is just very, very fascinating to me. And believe it or not, experts have studied this idea of what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, It's called the Imagination Report. And let me show you, uh, the the earliest one I could find, uh, the most recent one I could find is 2017. So let me show you what they say about this. They say, based on our survey, the top five professions kids want to be when they grow up are consistent with what we've seen in prior years. Doctor, vet, engineer, police officer, and teacher. And this makes sense. Childhood dreams are less about the strategic deployment and future deployment of specific skills and more about the admiration for particular adults or characters. It's not any coincidence that many of the professions at the top of the list tend to involve interactions with kids or the one that doesn't, engineer, is fundamentally about building stuff, (laughs) an activity that many children savor. 2017 Imagination Report. Open your Bibles to Philippians 4, because here the study will go on to say that as kids get into their teenage years, there's a natural change in that question from what do I want to do to what am I equipped to do? No longer do they want to be a king like they were when they were five, but now in their teenage years, they start to realize that I am drawn to the sciences. No longer do they want to be a princess like when they were three, but now they start to see this draw to the arts. No longer do they want to be president of the United States, but now they start to sense this call to preach and teach and pastor. It shifts from what do I want to do, what is my desire, to what am I gifted to do? How am I wired up? What is going to bring me joy? What can I do with my life? With the way that I'm gifted, the way that I'm wired, my personality, my traits, all of that stuff, what am I able to do with all of this stuff? Now, this sermon is not about what do you want to do when you grow up. Hopefully many of us in this room have figured that out. Some of you might still be working on it. I don't know. But 
that discussion is gonna help us to get to where we need to be. See, there's a verse in the text that we're gonna look at today, and if you've been around church for any length of time, you've heard this verse, it's Philippians 4.13, and here's what the verse says, put it on the screen for you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you will find this on coffee mugs, you will find this on t-shirts, you will find this on plaques in almost any Christian bookstore that you go to. But let me ask you a question. What is this verse actually trying to teach? Is this a verse about the, that, that describes the key to accomplishment? That the, the, despite my giftedness, despite the traits that God has equipped me with, that regardless of any of that, I can literally do anything that I wanna do with the help of Christ. Is that what that verse is teaching? Now you might imagine that with my physique and my huge muscles that, <clears throat> why are you laughing? But um, I was drawn early on to the sport of basketball. And I went to camps and I played on teams, but truth be told, despite my height, I was never uh, very good. I lacked self-confidence and athletic talent, which apparently is important in athletics. But, Looking at me, even though I'm on a heightened stage here, looking at me, you can understand why I took a swing at the ball when it comes to basketball. Let's say, for instance, that I felt called to ballet. All right? Let's say I felt called to ballet. Is this verse teaching that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? So despite my physique, despite my uh, lack of a look of any ballerina that you've ever seen, that if I just put my mind to it, with the help of Christ, I can be a ballerina. No, I lack the physique, I lack the ability, and I look terrible in a tutu. So none of, none of that, you're wondering how I know that, right? Just, yeah. So no, that, that is not going to work. I lack the ability, the giftedness, the physique, all of that stuff. So believe it or not, this is not a verse about the key to accomplishment, right? That, that God has gifted us up in certain ways, God has wired us in certain ways, and despite our desire, that's just true. So while our culture would look at this verse and say, you can literally do anything that you wanna do, the Bible would say, well, you have gifts, you have abilities, you have a physique, you, you have, you, God has a plan for your life, but literally do anything that you wanna do, I'm not so sure about that. This is not a verse about the key to accomplishment, and I hope I'm not bumming you out, right? Let me show you the, the verse in its full context, the book of Philippians. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am need, in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says that there were these times in his life where he lived with plenty, I think he's reminiscing to a previous season because we know his life was difficult when he wrote this Philippian letter, but he's thinking back to this previous season where he had plenty of money, housing, clothing, all of this stuff. Maybe this is your situation as you approach Christmas, right? You're thinking, man, this has been a good year. This Christmas, we have plenty. But Paul says there have been, this other there have been these other times where he has been in need, where money is tight, 
Housing is unpredictable. Life was difficult. I remember uh, Cheryl and I, uh, when we were, uh, hadn't been married very long, we decided we were gonna buy a house. And we went through that very stressful process of buying our, our first house. And it did, it, it stressed us out enormously. And it, when you bought your first house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we finally came to the closing day and we got the keys to that house. We said, let's go over to the house and celebrate that us and Wells Fargo own a home together, right? And uh, mostly Wells Fargo, but us a little bit, right? And uh, so we went and we celebrated at the house. And I remember, I don't remember the exact amount, but after closing, we had like $5.38 in our account, right? I I mean, the the house just kind of spent us to the max. And uh, during that season of life, it wasn't a a season of plenty. It was a season uh, of of not, not plenty, but pinching. And here's what's amazing about Paul. He says, in both those circumstances, living in plenty, uh, living with plenty, and living not with plenty, in both of those circumstances, he has learned the secret of contentment. And here is Paul's secret to contentment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, this is not a verse about the key to accomplishment. This is not a verse about you can literally do anything you put your mind to. This is not a verse about that. This is a verse about the key to contentment. Let me say it another way. This is a verse about managing your desire. So it's taken us a while, about five, 10 minutes to get to to where our sermon series is about chasing carrots. This is a series about desire. But here's what I want you to know about worldly desire. This thing in us that always desires more is the overwhelming message of worldly desire to you and to me are these two words, I can't. Worldly desire will always preach this to you. I can't have joy at this pay level. I can't have peace in this home. I can't experience life in our marriage. I can't be the person I need to be in this city. When you find yourself chasing carrots, when you find yourself giving in to this kind of more mentality of our culture, the overwhelming message of chasing carrots and desire and all of that is I can't. I need more pay than this. I need a bigger home than this. I need a better life than this. It is the message of I can't. And listen, It is unrelenting. Paul says, uh, Paul teaches us this because there is this belief in us that man, if I just had plenty, then I would be content. But notice what Paul says in this text. He says, well-fed, living in plenty, he had to learn the secret to contentment too. See, here's the lie of chasing carrots. When I have more, more will be enough. And it is a lie. When I have more, I will want more, right? That, that is the truth of it. When I have more, I will want more. Any parents dealing with their kids this time of year, right? You think, man, if I just give them more, they will be content. And they are for approximately two nanoseconds. And then it's, no, I have more and now I want more. And I would like to make the argument to you that our desire for more in this culture, more, 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 the desire for more that preaches, us, preaches, us, preaches to us, I can't until I have, that whole idea, I would say, I would like to make the argument to you that it is hurting our happiness more than it's helping. Consider technology. 
Most of us have a desire for more technology. I love my Apple iPhone. When I got my Apple iPad, I used to preach about this iPad to literally anybody that would listen. Right? When I first got it, that's what I did. Strangers in the grocery store. I said, have you seen this thing called the iPad? This thing is incredible. It, it, it preaches to us more. But listen, study after study after study is showing that despite our technology, our culture is lonelier than ever. This need for technology has not brought us together. It has separated us from one another. Our desire has hurt our happiness. Consider food. I love me some food. I was just telling someone this morning that I am so glad we don't have like a hidden camera at our house. I would be disturbed to know how much candy I've eaten this weekend. Because all I know is my kid's bucket is there and I'm walking by, Snickers, daddies. And listen, before, before you email me or think less of me, my kids are not food motivated at all. So my son does not care that I steal his candy. He knows it. He watches it happen. I think he might be bothered by my personal health when it comes to it. But, um, but I, I, take, I take his candy and he's fine with it. But uh, I, I think about the, the desire for food. That when that desire starts to get out of control and it starts to rule our life, that man, our health can get compromised. We can be hurt by our desire. Consider money. Uh, that I think we all have a desire for more money, but if that becomes the consuming passion of our life, uh, to money so we can buy stuff that can get out of control, it can actually lead to debt as we're trying to keep up with the person next door. Our desire can hurt our happiness. Consider experiences for a minute. That we live in an experience-based culture where we're all trying to have more and more experiences. And I don't know if you've ever had the situation before where, like, I'll do an experience with my kids. We'll go on some day trip or go do this fun thing. And, like, on the way home from the trip, I am thinking about and planning the next experience. Because it's never fully satisfied and it breeds discontentment. We are hurt by our desires. And desire will always whisper to you, whisper to you, I can't. But did you notice in the verse what Jesus wants you to learn today? I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Desire whispers, I can't. Jesus tells you I can. I can find joy in this season. I can find peace. I can find contentment, but it's not going to be in the pursuit of the desires of this world. I will find joy, peace, hope, and contentment when my desire is for the things of Jesus. Let me say it another way, a less churchy way. When I want what Jesus wants, then I find joy. When I want what Jesus wants, then I find hope. When I want what Jesus wants, then I find contentment. So this world is saying, desire more, desire more, desire more. And it's saying to us, I can't, I can't be happy here. I can't be happy. I can't find joy in this circumstance. I can't find life here. It's saying, I can't. Jesus is saying, I can. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. See, one of the themes of the book of Philippians is that, uh, is that there is joy in these things and these places where human desire would never lead us. Right? So it's saying Jesus is going to lead us to some places where we can find joy, hope, and peace, where the, this world and its desires would never lead us to this place. This is one of the themes of the book of, of Philippians, that there is joy in serving. Worldly desire will never tell you to serve. But Paul, in the book of Philippians, says there's joy in, world, in, in serving. There's joy in laying down one's life. There is joy in perseverance. This is one of the themes of the book of Philippians. Let me show it to you. Philippians 2. Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider and value others better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Right? That is an I can't statement from the desires of this world. It says, man, if you do that, you're not gonna find joy, you're not gonna find peace, you're not gonna find contentment. Paul says you will. Let me show you another one. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of truth. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering and the sacrifice and service that comes from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. When Paul talks about uh, in this text being poured out like a drink offering, he's talking about his impending death. So he says, man, laying down one's life, believe it or not, there's actually some joy and some peace that can come from this moment. Paul testifies to it. Let me show you one more, Philippians 3. But worldly desire will never lead you to that place. So whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for, whom, who, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, uh, but that which through, uh, is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, I wanna know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, being like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul believed that there was some joy that comes from serving. There is some joy that comes when you lay your life down. There is some joy that comes in self-sacrifice. But you'll never experience the joy of those areas until you learn the secret of contentment. Until you learn the secret of managing desire. Because desire will say, don't sacrifice. Desire will say, don't serve. Desire will whisper, you can't find joy in those areas. Worldly desire always whispers that. But godly desire, godly wisdom is whispering, I can. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And there are a couple overarching kind of theological ideas that I think are going to put everything that we've talked about together into one kind of nice package. And let me just preach these as we get ready to close. But there's a couple kind of overarching uh, theological themes that drive Paul's idea here. One is the will of God. That Paul believed that for the glory of God and for the good of the gospel, that there were times when God was going to call him to change. Paul believed that there were times where God would call him to imprisonment. Paul believed that there were times that God would call him to self-sacrifice. This is the exact situation Paul is in when he writes, I can do all things through Christ 
who gives me strength. So if this is a season where he's calling me to serve, if this is a season where he's calling me to self-sacrifice, if this is a season where he's calling me to lay my life down, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And listen, God is always calling us to serve, but there are seasons of your life where God is going to call you to a higher degree of service and sacrifice. Right? There are going to be seasons where he calls you to a higher degree of service and sacrifice. Any parents in the room? Parenting is a season where more sacrifice is required of you. Cheryl and I were laughing. I was on Facebook the other day, and we're always joking around about um, how tired we are. <laughs> uh, we have an eight-year-old and a two-year-old, and it's like we're really tired constantly. And, uh, you know, it'd be like the end of the day. It's like, how are you? I am exhausted. How are you? Yeah, I'm tired too. And we're like, well, maybe it's because we were a little bit older when our second child was born. We were kind of in the range, but when, when Lila was born, we were a little bit older. And then I start seeing all these posts of my younger friends, people in their 20s and early 30s, and they're exhausted too. So it's just like, well, it's not my age. We're just all tired that are, that are, that are trying to parenting. And I was laughing about a friend of mine uh, on Facebook that's in his 30s. He said, yeah, I said to my wife the other day, we need to bring someone out and check for a carbon monoxide leak in this house. We should not be this tired, right? You know, they believe they were being poisoned by their house, right? But the, but the truth is you should be this tired. When your kids are highly dependent on you, the sacrifice it takes to be a parent is exhausting. And here's Paul's message to you. You are in a season right now that requires a higher degree of self-sacrifice. Here's Paul's message to you. Every parent on me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can find joy in the exhaustion. I can find peace in the exhaustion. I can find contentment in the exhaustion. But I have to lean on Christ I can do all things through Christ. So every parent in the room, you got this. God's with you. You can do all things through him who gives you strength. Any married people in the room, you might be in a season of your marriage right now that requires more self-sacrifice on your end of things, right? Maybe it's uh, the health of your spouse. And and right now, just because of the health of your spouse, a higher degree of self-sacrifice is required for you. Maybe it's just the state that your marriage is in right now, and it is requiring more self-sacrifice on your part. And worldly desire is whispering to you right now, I can't. I can't find joy here. I can't find peace here. I can't find contentment here. And Jesus is whispering to you today, you can I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can serve another day with Christ's help. You can give another day with Christ's help. You can lay down your life another day with Christ's help. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can find joy in this season. I can find peace in this season. I can find contentment in this season. I have to lean on Christ. And he called people in this room right now that you might have had a plan for your life, like Paul had a plan for his life. And you are making great money and you are doing well, but you sense God is calling you to a new venture, a new ministry, maybe even mission work. And right now, the, the, the spirit of worldly wisdom is whispering to you, I can't. 
I can't give up that much. I can't sacrifice that much. I can't be happy doing that. I can't be content. I can't have a good life. And the spirit of the living Christ who raised from the dead on the third day is whispering to you, I can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can be obedient. I can make a difference. I can step forward and do this new thing God is calling me to do. And yes, is it gonna be hard? Absolutely. Is it gonna be difficult? Sure. Is it gonna be life-changing? No doubt, but you can do it through Christ. The power of his resurrection that is empowering you and helping you to live a day, so, to, to live another day. So Paul just understood that there were, were gonna be these seasons of life that require more self-sacrifice, that requires to lay down our life more. There's gonna be these seasons that require more of us, and Paul's message to you today, and my message as well, is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So if he's calling me to serve right now, I'm gonna serve. If he's calling me to lay down, I'm gonna lay down. If he's calling me to make a difference, I'm gonna make a difference. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the will of God. The next thing is the provision of God. That uh, the, the contentment and provision are married partners. They complement one another. Uh, this is the belief that our good and gracious God will provide me with everything that I need exactly at the right time that I need it. So worldly desire says I need more. And it is never satisfied. It just never is. But contentment says... I trust God, I trust his provision, I trust what he's doing in my life. So he's gonna call me to something and then he's gonna equip me and help me to do it. All right, that's the provision of God. And the last one is the glory of God. That this is the highest priority. Desire says what I need and what I want is the most important. But the glory of God says his name, his ways, his plan, his purpose, that is the most important thing. So if I can bring glory to God in my success, I'm gonna bring the glory of God. And if I can bring the glory of God in my challenges, I'm gonna bring the glory of God. But the glory of God says what I want and what I need is not most important. The glory of God is the most important and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is a season where I'm called to glorify God with my plenty, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if this is a season where I am called to give glory of God, glory to God through my challenges, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And listen, I have been so inspired by this through the years of ministry to see people that say, through the death of my loved one, I will give glory to God. Through the disease of my family member, I will give glory to God. Through the challenges of my workplace, I will give glory to God. And on the flip side of that, through my much, through my plenty, through my extra, I will give glory to God. And it is so inspiring and so fun to watch people that understand the context of, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is not just a coffee mug statement to them. It is not just a t-shirt to them. It is not just a bumper sticker to them. It is a life motto that whatever he calls me to, whatever he wants me to do, however he wants me to live, whatever season of life this is, if it's plenty, fine. If it's not plenty, fine. Whatever God wants from me, I will give his name glory. I will give his name praise and I can do this. 
I can do what he has called me to do through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever he's called me to do, I can do. Whatever life he wants me to live, I can live. However he wants me to serve, I can serve. And man, if this is a season for you that's requiring more of you, we are praying for you. And we love you. I know there are seasons of life that just require more of you. And you're tired and you're exhausted. And every advertisement that you see is whispering to you, I can't. I can't find joy here. I can't find peace here. I can't find contentment here. But the spirit of the living God, who is much better than any TV show you'll ever watch, the spirit of the living God is saying, I can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for his message. Right now, we're getting uh, ready to remember and celebrate this moment where worldly desire If Jesus was driven by worldly desire, he never would have gone to the cross. Just worldly desire never would have taken him there. But he had this overarching belief in your will and in your provision and in your glory. And so he went. And while worldly wisdom wisdom and desire may have said you can't, He was reminded that because of you, he can. And may we, re, may we re, be reminded of the same thing. I bet there's some tired people in this room right now. I bet there's some frustrated people in this room right now. I bet there's some exhausted people in this room right now. Today, we want to remember whatever you've called us to, whatever uh, kind of mess of life that you've called us to, wherever we're making a difference, whether it's home, work, church, world, wherever, wherever you've called us to, Today we want to be reminded that we can do all things through you, because of you. We can do all things because you strengthen us. So may we leave this place here in about 10, 15 minutes with our legs a little sturdier than they were before, our hearts a little more uh, committed than they were before, our minds a little more refreshed than they were before. And may we leave here in power knowing that we can. We can do this. For your name and for your glory, we can. With your provision, we can. And we can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. It is in his name that we pray, amen.